Thank you, Tommy. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we'll be looking at 16 through 25 this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. I do ask that you pray this morning, pray for me. Uh, this has just been one of those mornings. If you notice I'm me running back and forth today and not having much time to speak to you, I apologize, but it's just been, uh, the demons have been messing with all the electronic. There are such things as electronic demons, I know there are. Uh, and they have been running wild today, and we've had projector problems and sound problems and all of that type of thing, and so it's just been a crazy morning. And so pray for me that uh, I would be able to focus now on the task at hand and preach God's Word. If you found your place there in Galatians chapter 5, stand with me as we read God's Holy Word. And hear the Word of the Lord, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, just as we come now to this time of, of hearing your word, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and errant word. And Lord, we do pray that you would write its eternal truth on our hearts today, Lord. Lord, in this time, Lord, with all of the distractions that have gone on today, Lord, focus our attention on you and on the message you have for us today. All of those powers that are here trying to distract us, trying to, to pull us away from your word, Lord, hold them at bay. Keep them silent now and let us hear from you. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, in, in the Marine Corps, we, we had to do water survival training. And so every Marine, the Marine Corps is apartment, Department of the Navy, so we, we needed to be able to swim. Uh, a lot of our travel in the Marine Corps would be on ships, and so you need to be able to swim. And so water survival training was part of our training. Uh, but when you get to boot camp, especially in boot camp, when you've got a lot of young guys coming in, this is the first time they've, they've been away from home, uh, and there are many guys out there, believe it or not, who do not know how to swim. And so I remember being there at the pool, there at, uh, our, at boot camp, 
getting ready for water survival and just listening to the guys there and many of them expressed that they were just scared to death because they've never swam they had never swam before didn't know how to swim and so I remember one guy as we we lined up part of that survival test was that we had to jump off the diving board into the deep end and be able to swim to the other end of the pool and I can remember one young Marine who was just, you could tell when he stepped up on the diving board, he was just petrified. He was absolutely scared to death. Never swam before, didn't know anything about how to swim, but he walked to the end. He knew he had to do it. This was a requirement. There was no getting out of it. He had to jump off the diving board. And so as he, when he jumped off the diving board, of course, he began to, he, he began to freak out. He began to flail his arms and, and just, he, he got so nervous and, and he just was hollering, save me, help me, help me, help me. And one of the instructors there, he swam out to him, calm down, calm down, take it easy. I'm here for you. I'm here to save you. Calm down calm down. He kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting. The instructor continued to go towards him, calm down, calm down. Once he got up there close to him, once the instructor got close to this young Marine, the young Marine began to jump on him and grab him and try to, to hold on to him. Well, he was about to drown, he and the, the instructor both, so immediately the instructor pushed him off, got away from him, and then began to tell him again, calm down, calm down, settle down. I'm here to save you, calm down. Eventually, this young Marine calmed down. He just kind of went limp. And at that point, he began to sink into the water. But the instructor, once he had calmed down, once he trusted the instructor, the instructor was able to swim up to him, hold on to him, grab him, pull him out of the water, and swim him to safety. You know, often in our Christian walk, we look at the, the problems going on around us and we get overly excited and we begin to fight against the Holy Spirit. But if we would just calm down, release ourselves into the power of the Spirit, we would find our walk with Christ would be so much easier. That's what Paul is trying to tell us today. In our passage in Galatians, he is telling us to walk by the Spirit. And dear friends, we, want to, we need to see this. Our only hope of survival in, in our Christian walk is to do that, to surrender our lives to something greater, someone greater than ourselves, to surrender our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. We must walk by the Spirit. And so today we're going to learn this. Only by walking in the Spirit will Christians defeat the, daily, the deadly desires of the flesh. Only by walking in the Spirit, dear friend, will you be able to defeat the deadly desires of the flesh that you fight every day. And so we're going to see here in our passage three principles that we must live by if we are going to walk by the Spirit. Three principles we must live by if we are going to walk by the Spirit. Now, as we have been working through Galatians over the course of the past several months, uh, we have seen that justification is by faith alone. We are saved by faith alone, not by works of the law. That's been Paul's point throughout this whole letter. 
where justification is by faith, then justification by faith then leads us to uh, Christian freedom, how we are to live. We're, we're no longer under the condemnation of the law. We don't have to strive to please God. We are pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. And so that leads us to Christian freedom. We're not under the condemnation of the law. We're able to live free in Christ. And so last week we saw that this freedom, that leads us then to uh, a life free to love and serve others. And so that's what Christian freedom is all about. It's freedom from sin, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the condemnation of sin, so that we can love God, love others, and serve others. But as we begin then to walk in Christian freedom, we discover that it's not always so easy. It's difficult. There's, difficult, uh, there's difficulty to that walk. There's a lot of powers that are working against us. Some powers even working uh, from within us from this old body of flesh. So, dear Christian, I want us to learn today that only by walking in the Spirit will you be able to defeat the deadly desires of the flesh that threaten to wreck your Christian walk. So let us look at that today then. Three principles to walking by the Spirit. Three principles to walking by the Spirit. First, if we're going to walk by the Spirit, we must embrace the conflict. We must embrace the conflict. That is the internal conflict that takes place in a Christian's life. Christians have two conflicting natures within them. Notice what Paul says here in those first few verses. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, when we think about natural man... Natural man has one nature, a, a, a fleshly nature. Before we came to Christ, we had one nature. The spirit was dead within us. We had one nature. We had the, the flesh. And we were guided by the desires of the flesh. Whatever the flesh told us to do, that's what we did. Whatever the flesh told us was most desirable, most pleasing, that's what we pursued. Natural man only has one nature, the, the flesh. But a Christian has two natures. The Christian has two natures. The Christian who has come to know Jesus Christ, he has been made alive to the Spirit. And the Spirit of God actually dwells within us. And so there's a new nature within us. There's the Spirit living within us, changing us, transforming us, changing our desires, changing our wants, changing those things that bring us happiness and joy. But we still live in this old body of flesh. And this old body of flesh is still sinful. It still wants those same sinful desires. And so we have these two natures that are, are at conflict with one another. We need to understand this. Uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, Christianity is not your best life now. 
And that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about giving you your best life now. Christianity is a hard life. It's difficult. I I will tell you, if you're looking for an easy walk, don't come to Christ. Because it's not. That's why Jesus says, he he told people in his day, count the cost of discipleship. You've got to count the cost. You've got to know the cost because it's not easy. Coming to Christ doesn't make your life easier. It's not for your best life now. It's for your best life in the kingdom to come, in the time to come. So Christianity is not easy. It's a hard walk. It's marked by difficulties. Jesus says, called, uh, says it like this, you have to crucify the flesh. The Christian life is about a daily crucifying of the flesh. That's not easy. Our Christian walk is not easy. It will not be easy in this lifetime. But it is worth it. We see here that this this conflict of nature is a a sign of our salvation. Look what verse 18 says. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now, we've talked about this before. When Paul's talking about being under the law, he means being under the condemnation of the law. If you walk by the Spirit, if you have this internal conflict, if you have this conflict going on between the flesh and the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the condemnation of the law. That is actually a sign to you that you are a Christian, that you are a child of God. If you were not a child of God, you would have no conflict with the flesh because you would be living in the flesh. Not that you would be doing as bad as you, you, you possibly could. I mean, we can see that there's some people who live in the flesh, and, and we might say they're, they're pretty good old folks. But they're living according to the flesh. They, have, they don't have this internal conflict. So this internal conflict is a sign for us that we are children of God. Did you know that uh, when when you you feel this conflict, sometimes you might be tempted to think of yourself as a bad person. Oh, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't think that. Oh, I'm a Christian. I should never do this. I shouldn't have this stumble. I'm a Christian. But I want you to see, dear friend, that it's a, a common thing in Christianity. Every Christian deals with these struggles. Even the Apostle Paul, who is writing this letter in the New Testament, had these same struggles. Even Paul, now think about Paul. You, you think about Paul, I mean, it, there, it, under Christ, is there anybody more perfect than Paul? I mean, you, you might think that, right? Here's the man who, who grew up a Pharisee, Pharisee of Pharisees. They were trained to teach the law, to know the law, and be obedient to the law. That's what he, his whole life was geared towards that. And then Paul met Jesus in a mighty way. As he was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, Jesus Christ came to him personally and came to him in a vision. He saw Jesus. He saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And then Paul is used by God in a mighty way, one of the greatest missionaries of all time, to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And he is the human author of the majority of the New Testament. Yet Paul, even Paul, dear Christian, struggled with the desires of the flesh. 
In Romans 7, 21 through 25, he expresses this struggle that he even felt. He says in Romans 7, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. All right, so the mind, the desires of the mind, the desires of the spirit at conflict with the, the, the desires of the members, the desires of the flesh. Paul cries out in verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from these, these fleshly desires? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's only God through Jesus Christ that saves us from this whole body of flesh. During our whole lifetime, dear Christian, during this life, in this time, we will always have struggles. Oh, it will get better. The longer you walk with Jesus, the easier it gets. The quieter the desires of the flesh become. But they will always be there. And you better never get too comfortable. How many preachers, how many preachers have you seen fall into great immoral sin. Could it be that maybe they got too comfortable? Thought they had advanced too far? Always be on guard. You, are, you have two natures working. You have the flesh working. You have the Spirit working. We have to embrace the conflict that takes place. Life in the Spirit is not easy. But dear friend, it is worth it. It is worth it to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we must first embrace the inner conflict between the Spirit and the flesh. Second, we must observe the obvious. We must observe the obvious. As Paul continues on here, he begins to, to make a comparison, a contrast between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And these are, are obvious. We, we, can, we can know these things. We, we know the works of the flesh. And we know the fruit of the Spirit. That it should be obvious to us, especially as Christians. This should be obvious to us. So Paul says in verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. See, they're evident. You know this. This is not something that is new to you. Now, we can't go through each one of these, but I want to, to look at these, and we can, we can break these down, this big group of the works of the flesh. We can break it down into four categories. First of all, there's sexual desires. That's where it begins, sexual, immoral, sexual immorality, which means any kind of sexual perversion that's out there, that is, uh, that is classified in sexual immorality. There's impurity, there's sensuality. All of this is, is towards that, that sexual desire. And we know, 
we know that sexual desire is one of the, the strongest desires in humanity. I mean, there is a reason that one of the number one uh, principles in marketing is sex sales. There's a reason that there's uh, half-naked women on billboards all the way down the road. We know that, that sexual desire is a strong desire in humanity. And the sexual desire that we have, it is good, it's right, it's, God gave that to us. And so sex is good when it is confined to the boundaries that God provides for us. It's when we go outside of those boundaries that it becomes a perversion, that it becomes a work of the flesh. And so we have to be on guard against that. We have to be on guard against the works of the flesh, these impure sinful, immoral desires of sexuality. So there's the sexual desires. Then there, there are the religious affections, the religious affections, idolatry and sorcery, he says. Idolatry, of course, is in Paul's day was actually physically going and worshiping an idol, a, 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 a God made by human hands. But the same principle we can apply to us today. Uh, they went to, to, to worship these idols, these man-made gods. And, and even those man-made gods, you think about it, they were all self-centered, weren't they? If you wanted uh, fruitfulness, if you wanted fertility, you wanted a fruitful crop, then you went and you worshiped uh, Aphrodite. If you were a general, general and you wanted success in war, you, you went and, and uh, uh, worshipped Artemis, I think was his name. And, and so they had whatever you, whatever you wanted in life, you went and worshipped that God who promised that to you. And so it was very self-centered. And, and we see even in our day, we don't have idols here in America. Now other nations do, but in America we don't typically go and worship at idols, man-made gods, but we do worship things, don't we? We worship material things. We find satisfaction and joy or pursue satisfaction and joy in material things, and that's what idolatry is. It's trying to find, uh, it's trying to find satisfaction. It's trying to find fulfillment. It's trying to find joy in something besides God. Something or someone besides God. And so we must be careful. As Calvin says, the human mind is a factory of idols. We find idols at every turn. So we must be careful to guard against idolatry. Sorcery is in the same category. Sorcery has a connotation of, of, of drugs. Sorcery, actually, the Greek word for sorcery is a, the word from which we get our word pharmacy. And so it was mixing up potions, trying to find a delight and fulfillment in a substance. And we see the same today. Many people are addicted to substances because they're trying to find peace, joy, happiness, fulfillment in substances. It's a religious affection. What are we trying to find fulfillment in? In God or something else? Those are the religious affections of the flesh. Then there are the relational attitudes, the relational attitudes, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. All of these are how we relate to other people. 
we're, we're, we're so self-centered as human beings. We, we tend to be so self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about my wants and my desires. And so it's okay for me to use you if that helps me fulfill my desires. It's okay if you don't get what you want if I get what I want. And so then there's divisions, there's strife, there's jealousy amongst us. You burst into fits of anger because you don't get your way. And so there are those relational uh, attitudes that, that we carry that the flesh drives us towards selfishness and division rather than unity. And then there's the, the indulgent behaviors. He f- wraps it up with indulgent behaviors, drunkenness and orgies. Those are, our drunkenness is connected to orgies here in this text. And, and orgies here is not a sexual sin, as we might would think in our, in our culture. Uh, orgies here uh, refers to drunken parties where you just give to indulgence. Just give to indulgence. You just give yourself to, to whatever, whether it be drinking, whether it be drugs, whether it be whatever. Dare I say eating? Dare I say video games dare I say hunting fishing shopping dare I say whatever it's overindulgent it's there's there's good things that we do that God gives us there's wonderful gifts that God has given us he has given us the gift of eating we cannot survive without eating but it becomes a sin when we overindulge and we can say that to anything Anything and everything, everything, or not everything, but there's a lot of things that are good in moderation, but when we go past moderation and we go into overindulgence, it becomes sin. But our flesh always wants to push us into indulgence. We find something that makes us happy. We find joy in that, and instead of putting barriers on that and keeping that in rain, we want to give in to that and just overindulge, indulge, indulge, indulge. And so all of these, the sexual desires, these religious affections, trying to find joy and satisfaction in something outside of God, these relational attitudes that, that end in division and strife with others, this indulgent behavior, all of these are works of the flesh. They're the flesh driving us to, to fulfill ourselves and our own wants and desires rather than God. And this is not an, an exhaustive list. Paul goes on to say, and things like these. And things like these. This isn't it, right? There's more things. There's other things that we could fit into these categories. There's other things that work here. But, but we know this. These things are evident to us. We, can, we know when we're being driven by the flesh rather than by God. And so it's things like these. And so we must be careful of the works of the flesh. And Paul gives this warning here that those who practice those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, it says in the ESV, many of your translations probably say, the practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, notice there what it does say. It says practice, that word for do or that, that word for practice, it means that, that constant practicing of that. Right? It, it means that, that this is a lifestyle. 
I mean, you look at those works of the flesh, and I don't know about you, but I, I see some of these things. I, oh, man, I had a fit of anger today with all this electronic trouble. I'll be honest. I, I wanted to throw that projector off the balcony a, a few times. Uh, I, I kind of had a fit of anger. Now, if that was my daily way, if I just all the way, I always went around in anger, walking in anger, losing my patience with people and, and, and living in anger, that's practicing it we're going to have temptations we're going to have stumbles in life we're going to trip up every now and again and we're going to sin that's a part of this human life we're going to sin but when it should be a concern is when it becomes a practice when you slip up and you fail you say oh lord god i'm sorry i failed today help me tomorrow but when it becomes a practice when we live day in and day out in sin that's a problem Paul says you better watch out. You better check yourself. You better examine your heart. Are, are you, do you belong to Jesus? Is the Spirit of God really in you? Because if you practice such things, if you live in sin, then the evidence is you don't belong to the kingdom. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Slipping up is one thing. Practicing it day in and day out is something altogether different. Dear Christian, How's your life? Are you living in sin? Then perhaps you need to examine your heart. Are you living by the flesh? Or are you walking by the Spirit? Examine your heart today, dear friend. Know that you know that you know that you are in Christ. So those are the fruit of the Spirit that's so evident, or the, the work of the flesh that are so evident. But then he goes on to list the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice there, what is it? Is it singular or plural? Singular. It's fruit, right? It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit. It's a singular fruit. And then he goes on and lists uh, nine different things there, doesn't he? Uh, and so, but you need to see that all these nine things, they're, they're not fruits of the Spirit. They're fruit. They're fruit. And I want you to see why. Notice there that if we say that it's fruits of the Spirit, if Paul said it's fruits, plural, then we could say, oh yeah, I, I love people. I'm, I'm a, I do love people. I'm, I'm good at that. I'm not so good at the patience. And uh, I don't know about faithfulness. I don't know if I'm that trustworthy all the time. You, you see, we can kind of pick and choose and say, oh, well, I got three out of the nine. I, I, I'm all right. But that's not what Paul says. He, he says it's fruit. It's fruit. And all of these roll out of the fruit of the Spirit. You can't have love if you don't know patience and kindness and gentleness. You see, all of it's together. It all comes as one. This is one fruit, not many fruits. Notice what he has here. John Stott breaks these down into three sets of three. And I think that's helpful for us to look at it. First, there's love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. And Stott, he, John Stott uh, says this is more Godward. Perhaps he's right. This is a Godward virtue. Love, joy, and peace. This, this tells us our, our love for God. We have a love for God. As the Spirit comes into our lives and changes us, we grow in our love for God. And as we learned last week, that love for God then manifests itself in love for others. 
we have peace with God. We have joy in God. When, we're, when the Spirit is in us, then we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. We have joy that surpasses all understanding because our happiness is not defined by uh, our outside conditions. It's, it's conditioned by our relationship with God. And so love, joy, and peace are our Godward fruit. Patient kindness and goodness then is manward virtues. They're manward virtues. We have to have patience with people. That's how our love is expressed. It's through patience, kindness, and goodness towards others. And there, there are these kind of uh, inward virtue, if you will. That is a, an inner character that, that radiates out of us. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Faithfulness means that, that you're reliable. People can count on you. You're gentle, meek, mild, and self-controlled. Not giving in to those desires of the flesh, but you're able to discipline yourself. Keep yourself under control. These are fruit of the Spirit, all flowing one out of the other, all manifesting themselves in the people of God, walking by the Spirit. Notice what he says, against such things there is no law. You can't overindulge in the fruit of the Spirit. You can just live out love, joy, peace, all you want to. There's no regulation against that. Dear friend, as we, we consider this and, and you think about these, these attributes, these fruit, of the, these fruit of the Spirit, who models this better for us than Jesus Christ? I mean, He is the perfect man. And He is the one whom we should be modeling. He is our model. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty, 28, 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, you will find peace for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, this, the Holy Spirit, He is working in us, producing fruit to make us look like Jesus. And the longer we walk in this Christian walk, the more we're going to look like Jesus. Oh, dear friend, are you walking by the Spirit? Are, are you walking by the Spirit? Is your life marked more by the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? Oh, if the Spirit of God lives in you, He is producing fruit to make you look like Jesus. If He is not, if He is not, dear friend, then today trust in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. The works of the flesh and the work of the Spirit are obvious. When we notice our flesh drawing us into the work of the flesh, we must immediately say, No! I'm a child of God. I don't do that. No flesh. Get behind me, flesh. And when we feel the Holy Spirit working in us to produce fruit of the Spirit, we must cultivate that more and more and more so that we might see that fruit grow and flourish in our lives. So if we're going to walk by the Spirit, we must embrace the inner conflict. We must observe the obvious. And third, if we're going to walk by the Spirit day by day, we must rest in the gospel. We must rest in the gospel. 
Dear friend, I want you to know today that you are not going to walk in the Spirit. You are not going to accomplish this outside of Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul says there in verse 24. Or 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, who have crucified the flesh, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. I want you to see, dear friend, that Christ has won the victory. That's what he's saying there. And those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ Jesus, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. When we come to know Jesus Christ, there's this mysterious union that takes place. We're no longer individuals, but we are in Christ. We are unified with Christ. And it's as if we were crucified with Christ back there when he was crucified. Our flesh was hung on the cross with him. We are unified with him. Our flesh was with him. Our flesh was defeated by him. This old flesh, it was defeated on the cross. Yes, it's still there. It's still raging. It's still wanting what it wants. But the power of the flesh has been crucified. On Calvary's cross, Christ has won the victory. And He gives that victory to you. You will not accomplish any of this. You will not see fruit in your life apart from Jesus Christ. Oh, you might can put on a happy face for a little while, but eventually the flesh is going to come out. You will not succeed outside of Jesus. It is not a work for you to accomplish. It is a work that Christ has accomplished on the cross. Well, not only do we see that Christ has won the victory, but we also see here that the Spirit then applies that victory to our very lives, and He gives us the power then to walk with Christ. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, we live. Notice that word. We live. If you live, it is the Spirit that brings life. He's the one who brings that life, that power of life to live within us. You see, the tree can't produce fruit unless it has a life source coming into it. The Spirit brings that life source into us. He is the one who gives us the power. It's not you. It's not me. We are God's creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. It is a power that comes from within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear Christian, if you're struggling in your walk, if you're struggling in your walk, Trust Christ. Trust His Spirit. Rest in Him because it is the Spirit of God that gives you power over the flesh. You know, when I was a, a kid, when I was a kid, I used to, uh, I love Superman. He was my favorite superhero. And so I remember Mama, she, she made me a cape. It was just a white sheet. It wasn't even red. It was a white sheet, but she, she found an iron-on Superman emblem. She, she put it, that on the back of that cape, and I thought I was hot stuff. Man, I was Superman. That's what, I, what was that? I told you. The electronic demons are here. 
But I, I was Superman, and I loved that cape. And man, I, I flew around all over the house. Man, I was just flying everywhere, just like this. And, and sometimes I'd go out to the barn and, and, and jump out of the hayloft onto a bale of hay. I'm Superman. I'm flying, right? And, and I could pretend all I wanted to pretend. But you know, I really couldn't fly. It was just pretend. Because I didn't have the power to fly. Dear Christian, I want you to see here that you don't have the power to fly on your own. You don't have the power to defeat the flesh on your own. You've got to have a power from outside of you. You have to have the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you may soar and defeat the desires of the flesh. Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you resting in His spiritual power to defeat the flesh in your life? You must rest in Christ's victory and the Spirit's guidance if you are going to have victory over the flesh. Do you feel like you are drowning in the desires of the flesh today. And dear friend, quit struggling. Quit struggling. Quit fighting. But surrender to the Holy Spirit. Only by walking in the Spirit will you defeat the deadly desires of the flesh. Dear Christian, give in to the Spirit's guidance. Give in to the Spirit's guidance. You've been resisting it. You've been pushing against it. Give in. Rest in His guidance. He, he wants what's best for you. Pursue what He shows you. Rest in the Spirit. Rest in His power to defeat the flesh. Say with Paul, wretched man that I am, who will, who will save me from this body of death? Praise be to God through Jesus Christ my Lord. He has won the victory and rest in His power. Now there's some today you're struggling against the flesh because you have no power over the flesh because you never trusted in Jesus Christ. The Lord has brought you here today and He's talking to you. He's speaking to your heart. He is urging you. You know, you know that you are a slave to the flesh. But He has brought you here so that you may know that you can have victory over the flesh. You can have salvation in Jesus. If you'll only trust in Him. He died for you. Gave His life to win the victory over the flesh for you. Will you trust in Him? If you trust in Him, He will empower you with one who is powerful enough to defeat the flesh in you, the Holy Spirit. Will you trust in Him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just surrender to You today, Lord. We know that any of us who, who've been walking with you for any length of time, Lord, we know it's a struggle. Sometimes are harder than others, but it's always a struggle. But Lord, we just want to surrender to your power today. 
And we want to call you to to defeat the flesh within us, Lord. Give us victory. You have already given us victory. You've guaranteed us the victory. Lord, make it actual in our life through the power of the Spirit. May we surrender. May we rest in your power, O Lord. Lord, I know there's someone today. Lord, they've been living life in their own power and they've been living a life enslaved to the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Oh Lord, give them victory today in Jesus Christ. Let them know Him and trust Him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.